welcome to over, 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 over. HP Lovecraft podcast, where me and uh, mostly Faith talk and read a HP Lovecraft story in mostly chronological order, and uh, you know we goof goof around, and we also release an audiobook most of the time, same day. So this is Jesse, and with me today is someone who is apropos of sleep and and very sinister faith hi i'm hey. so tired i just want to go to bed <laughs> oh yeah every single oh. day <laughs> yeah since the last time we recorded i got a new bed and guess what my hip hurts less yeah also i sleep better my body sleeps better my mind turns out this is, it's not good <laughs> it turns it, out it's getting good. a good night's sleep is actually really good for you and now my mind my mind is still just fucked really but oh my, yeah but, no nothing yeah. you can do about that no, nothing I can't. It turns out I have a brain disease. <laughs> right. <laughs> turns out my brain's not good. <laughs> I would not I would suggest not having chemical imbalances in your brain that makes you both uh what my what my psychiatrist calls acute uh wait, sorry. Uh not generalized anxiety, it's the step above that. Acute? What a acute acute anxiety, yes. Yeah, don't get that. It's bad. It's not Your fun. brain sucks. No, it really sucks. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of uh, someone who probably had some depression, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Woo! Today, we are going to be reading Hypnos. <gasps> yeah. <gasps> so, um, what? Uh, so, I know we have a little blurb. Yes. Uh, in your book, Faith, that is probably going to lie to us. <laughs> probably. They, most of them have. Um, it says, Hypnos was written in March 1922, just prior to Lovecraft's first visit to New York City in April. The story is dedicated to S.L., or Samuel Loveman, who Lovecraft had come to see in New York, and is perhaps meant to be the strange individual whom the narrator befriends. A delicate tale that seems to combine supernatural realism with Dunsinian cosmicism. Hypnos develops a theme already evident in Beyond the Wall of Sleep, that dreams provide access to other realms of entity beyond the mundane world. It first appeared in the National Amateur in May of 1923. So, we, okay, so I have a question for you. How do you find somebody else with love in their last name? I don't know. How did yeah, he do that? Do. It's the fucking 1920s. Well, maybe they did it have a phone book and he was just like uh, hey this person's right behind me <laughs> we could be friends <laughs> I only make friends with people with names similar to my last name <laughs> only we have to share at least four letters or we can't be friends so okay so do you I know we posited this but do you but do you think it's bad to say hey this person with no documented um Queer tendencies in written form or like something that we can prove. Do you think it's bad for me to like be like, you know, I think Lovecraft's at least like bisexual, if not like super gay. I mean, it's always possible. It's always possible. It was like, it's hard to say with like, I have to say something that I have learned over the years is that uh, compulsory heterosexuality is very strong. It's stronger than you would ever think it is. Like, that ingrained part of you is crazy strong. Like, what your culture represses in you, 
versus what it yeah. wants from you. And you would think that it isn't, but it is. Um, like especially like from like us being out queer, like we have we like I have a pretty good understanding of my identity and who and what I am attracted to and who and what I am romantically interested in. But this was back in a time where A, it was hard to connect with other people, and B, even harder to connect with other queer people. So if you never I mean, Oscar had Oscar Wilde had no problems yeah. with it. Yeah. But. I mean Oscar Wilde just <laughs> fucked whoever he wanted. Say with um uh what's her name? Ada Saint Vincent. Did not yeah. give a shit. She was like, Yeah, I'm bisexual. What are you gonna do about it? Fucking fight me. My favorite my favorite uh monarch, which is on the only one was a bisexual fencer who was just like, I'll, I'll, I'll fuck a woman. Also, I'll stab you if you say anything about a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I understand, like, there's always a possibility that someone back then could have been queer and that they just repressed it for almost all, if not most, of their life. The reason why is because when someone writes something, you get a lot of their actual personality fiction. Not not nonfiction, but when someone writes like a novel or like a nonfiction thing, mm-hmm. you tend to get a lot of their personality that they don't talk about, even yes. if it's subconscious. Yes. And like one thing that I'm noticing is that he rarely writes about women, like yeah. ever. Yeah. And when he does, they're very secondary. Now I understand. I like I'm also the person type of person who says the gayest group of people around are teen boys. <laughs> It's very true. <laughs> um, you know, they could be very they could be very hetero, but they are just so obsessed with other boys. They really are. Um, so that might be part of it, but like I'm I, I read a lot of like I don't know, like stuff leaning towards where at least like, you know, like a homo romantic type thing. Mm-hmm. Or a preference. Because, well, like, even, even like, because, like, you know, like, you know, Hemingway and, like, Edward Rice Burroughs and stuff like that, like, you know, the, you know, the menly authors of the time, ooh. like, you know, they, they wrote about women. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, Hemingway wrote a whole story about a woman getting um, an abortion in another country because she couldn't where she was from. Yeah, like, like, there's, they wrote about women, like, a lot. Like, you could get stories, like, where there's, like, a mm-hmm. romantic, you know, romance in it somehow, even if it's, like, secondary. Yeah. But it's yeah. almost never in Lovecraft story. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Tolkien hardly ever fucking wrote women. Oh, but he was also like a Christian who was probably pretty racist. Um Well, yeah, obviously. Um yeah. But yeah, like he also like never wrote about women. But that could also be because he was a misogynist. <laughs> yeah, but I mean but like I don't like it seems like Love I mean, he was he was a racist, but like you know, like when he does write about women, it's never in a negative light, really. Yeah, they're kind of just there. They're kind of like a set piece. If I would argue in one of his sto- later stories, which I think was supposed to be read as this woman is evil, but for me reads as, hey, I'm I'm trapped in a woman's body and just want to be a guy. Yeah. So I can, you know, feel like myself. Uh, I'm going to read it that way. Uh, but <laughs> well, he does. I'm, I'm- um, Lavinia in Dunwich Horror is a villain. Um, that's the only other prominent woman I can think of in his stories. But, I mean, that might also be accidentally feminist as well. It could be. I mean, she fucks you know. uh, Yogg-Sagoth, but whatever. I mean, I think that's very feminist. I mean, you know, <laughs> to write a, to, to write, to write a, 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 not only a monster fucker, but a, 
but a, a thin monster fucker. I mean, <laughs> at that time. I <laughs> she mean, fucks the like, oxic mm. or no, Shub Shubnigraf and has its yeah. baby. Shubnigraf so, is usually portrayed in a female way as well. They ac- probably accident accidentally feminist. Oh, there's the other woman that's <laughs> in HP. <laughs> there's another one, Shubnigraf. It's always it's always possible, is what I always say. It's always possible. You know, people will repress shit their entire life. They will never explore that part of their identity ever. I've met people that, like, almost their entire life, they were like, yeah, I'm gay, but I'm not going to act on it. Like, I'm just going to be married to this woman and miserable for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I, I like, it's just like, like the last episode. I Listen, mean, the last. If, if Emily Dickinson, who was so gay for her sister in law, could hide their relationship for the entirety of their life. I think H.P. Lovecraft could hide being even just a little bit queer for the entirety of his. I just, I just, I don't know. Like the tree and like even Reanimator. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yep. like you know, and and also um the statement of Randolph Carter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like those characters, which are clearly stand-ins for him. Yeah. They feel very, at least, homo romantic. Yes. So, I don't know. Maybe we, we'll we'll extend this. We'll extend this a little bit further. It's very possible, like I said, Emily Dickinson hid her relationship with her sister-in-law for her entire life. They only found out because after she died, she had a trunk full of letters between them. Otherwise, yeah. they would have never known. Also, I think it was probably a little bit easier for women to hide their homosexual activities back then be like oh they're around each other oh yeah they there was also the concept of uh bostonian weddings or marriages where two women who live together for a long time they're like oh they're just gal pals they're just friends oh god they're roommates (laughs) 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 that's exactly it like um also women back then like especially during like um the 1800s and previous a lot of them were viewed as not having any sexuality like they were not sexual beings so of course they were just friends with this woman because women don't feel sexual feelings right that's how they work which is why when they which is why when they do feel sexual feelings that's weird that's deviant you don't want that well, that's also why you don't get a sweet sweets uh, underneath their knees because their wound might start wandering out. <laughs> that's right. it, it just gets up and it leaves during the night. <laughs> it get, it does like the grocery shopping. Maybe it'll fold your laundry. <laughs> I wish. Fuck, I wish. For me personally, I feel like one of the biggest gay things you can do. Is go multiple states away to visit one person. <laughs> yeah, one dude. It's like one dude. Especially like, when you're uh, so poor. Exactly. Yeah. He no, that makes a thick. lot of sense to me. I, I That's what I'm reading into it. I don't know. We'll extend this. I'll have to edit this down a little bit more. But yeah. I don't know. As we're both openly queer. Yes. And, you know. Also, I like claiming, I like claiming, you know, I like reading queerness and the stuff because it mm-hmm. makes me feel more. More accepted in the world. Yeah. Um, so, but that being said, let's get into <clears throat> Hypnos. Hypnos by H.P. Lovecraft. To S.L. Apropos of sleep. Apropos of sleep. That sinister adventure of all our night. We may say that men go to bed daily with an audacity 
that would be incomprehensible if we did not know that it is a result of ignorance of the danger. Baudelaire. That's pretty cool. Just Ooh. saying. Real good. Real good. Real spooky. You know, like, we're, we're, spooky. we're spooky shit. I mean, honestly, uh, after finding out that sleep, like, we were originally supposed to go to sleep and not wake up and just die, makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> May the merciful gods, if indeed there be such, guard those hours when no power of will or drug that the cunning of man devises can keep me from the chasm of sleep. Death is merciful, for there is no return therefrom. But, but with him who has come back out of the nethermost chambers of night, haggard and knowing, peace rests nevermore. That I was to plunge with such unshank, unshankshan, unshankshan. Okay, full. That I was to plunge with such unsanction. What the fuck am I doing? Okay, unsanctioned, unsanctioned. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Fool that I was to plunge with such unsanctioned Pharisee into mysteries no man was meant to penetrate. Fool or God that he was, my only friend, who led me and went before me, and who in the end passed into terrors which may yet be mine. We met, I recall, in a rail station where he was in the center of a crowd of the vulgarly curious. He was unconscious, having fallen in a kind of convulsion, which imparted his slight black-clad body a strange rigidity. I think he was then approaching forty years of age, for, for there were deep lines in the face, wan and hollow cheek, but hollow and actually beautiful, and touches of gray in the thick waving hair and the small full beard, which had once been of the deepest of raven black. His brow was as white as the marble of Pentelicus, and of a height and breadth almost godlike. I say to myself, with all the ardor of a sculptor, this man was a fawn's statue out of antique Hellas, dug from a temple's ruin, and brought somehow to life in our stifling age, only to feel the chill and pressure of devastating years. And when he opened his immense, sunken, and widely luminous black eyes, I knew he would be thenceforth my only friend, the only friend of one who had never possessed a friend before. For I saw that such eyes must have looked fully and upon the grandeur and terror of realms beyond normal consciousness and reality, realms which I had cherished in fancy but vainly sought. So as I drove the crowd away, I told him, he must come home with me, and be my teacher and leader, in unfathomed mysteries, and he assented, without speaking a word. Afterward I found his voice was music, the music of deep veals and crystalline spheres. We talked often in the night, and in the day, when I chiseled busts of him and carved miniature heads of ivory to mortalize his different expressions. This is very this is very gay he wanted to fuck this dude. well i mean i don't know fuck but you know he loved this person this is like, like you um could- john william or no william fuck what is his name one sec let me look john singer Sargent. that's his name he was a painter um an artist uh he did a lot of he's done a lot of really incredible paintings he did the lady of uh shallot there's a his portrait of Juliet Gordon Lowe, the founder of the Girl Scouts, is in the National Portrait Museum. 
It's incredibly beautiful. He uh, had a bunch of uh, nude sketches of a man who it turns out he had been in a relationship with for years. So I would not doubt this. This is right on par with gay artist shit. You're like, God, he's so beautiful. We're going to be in love. I'm going to do nothing but make art of this man. Like, I'm just saying, like, if someone described me in the way that they, if he's describing this person he saw once. Once. Yeah. Like, and he was like laying on the ground having a seizure and he's like, fuck, he's beautiful. <laughs> like, 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 he'd be like, ooh, zaddy. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like right there. <laughs> Like, just, just saying, okay, yeah, like... like I said, John Singer Sargent did nothing but drew pictures of this dude naked for years. Turns out that they were in love. <laughs> this dude like has just, done nothing but carve sculptures of this man. I would not doubt that they're in love. Like, just, like, deep lines in the face, wane and hollow-cheeked, but oval and actually beautiful. Yeah, and like, beautiful t- is, uh, italicized as well. I know, which is just emphasis, just, mm, just, like... His voice was music, the music of deep viols, of crystalline spheres. What the fuck? Like, I'm just saying, like, I feel like I could just steal this, like, this paragraph and just, like, like, just send it to, like, random sugar daddies and they'd be like, damn, this person loves me. I guess I have to... (laughs) To give them (laughs) $10,000. Like, except for, you know, him having, like, a seizure... This whole, like, paragraph is just a love letter to this dude that he's carving. Also, he's a sculptor. He's carving. That's a lot of fucking work to put somebody's image into marble. You have to really think they're very beautiful to do that. He he called him godlike. Godlike. Ugh. Like, Luminous like, black eyes. Just, like, and also just, like, yeah, the salt and pepper, like, salt and pepper beard. Mm. Ooh. Like, like, he's basically, like, this... Like, if Lovecraft did not deeply love this person, I don't know what love is. Exactly. Like, Christ. This is like, again, like, Lee Dickinson writing about her sister-in-law, how in love with her she was. If that's not so, love, I don't know what is. Like, I don't, what, what is what is the term horny, but like, for like, romance, though? Like, uh. that's, that's what this is. <laughs> like, whatever, whatever the term for horny, but like, romantic horny. Like, <laughs> like, man, I'm horny for all this love and attention you're giving me, uh. but like, not in a sexy way, but like, you know, in a romantic way. I get, would it be amorous? No, that's I sexual. It, oh, no, I mean, it should be, no, not that's sexual, yeah. Is it? I don't know. Arduous? Something. I don't know. It's, uh, I would say that he is fervently, uh, fervently in love with this person. And I'm, and yeah, man, I don't know. Man, I want, I want one person to just like describe me in like that much detail with how much, cause you, okay. So, so you know, like when you're around a person who you know they really love someone because like, Yes. They could go on like forever about like the smallest yes. thing about them. Like it'd be like, yeah, it's just, you know, they like, you know, it could be like they could just go on like, oh, oh she the way she like, kind of like snorts when she laughs and everything, but like don't go on like this fucking journey <laughs> like about oh, it because yeah. they love them. Like, like, man, I wanna be that in love with someone. Now I'm sad. I'm sad that Lovecraft had a better like love life than I did. <laughs> He was a skinny nerd. He could barely, he could barely exist. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but whatever. How One of dare these you feel such great feelings for somebody? I just, I just want to get to the point that, like, like I, well, hmm, 
See, I'm getting the same fucking feelings I got when reading the trade. Yeah, I know, right? God damn it. Right? <laughs> See, this is the tenderness we're talking about. Like, he must have been happy when writing this. For at least a little bit. Yeah, just a little know. bit. Well, even if he wasn't, like, in love with this dude, he certainly liked him. Well, and I you mean, know what? Like, Going to you see your plat- friend is really nice, too. You can have a really strong platonic love that very often... I mean, I think it tends to be more socially acceptable in um, femme-presenting people. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, to have this, because, like, as one of my uh, more lesbian-leaning uh, MB friends uh, and bi friends say... Uh, super straight women will be some of the gayest group of people. They will oh, do yeah. all the stuff that gay women oh, will yeah. do, except they won't. <laughs> oh yeah. Get, yeah. So you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's actually like an entire. Um, there's a term for it in Japanese. It's basically um, the way that they view uh, teenage girls being in a relationship. It's a practice relationship. Oh, I sorry. Wait, I should revise. The gayest group of people around are super straight teens. It's true. It's true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's Super true. straight teens are the gayest, actually. Mm-hmm. Because, because queer teens often are the not, they just don't. They're, they're just, just like, I don't, I don't they're know. They're like, how I don't want to do get kicked out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you'd be like, yeah, would it? And then, and then you, uh, like, as a boy, as a person who was a masculine presenting, um, like, we would, like, legitimately, like, we'd play stuff like Gay Chicken, which is basically just an excuse to, like, you know, you know, kiss a homie. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> kiss a homie. You know. <laughs> you know, you're always touching, you're always trying to touch each other's dicks in weird ways. You're like, oh, I'm gonna make your balls hurt, but, you know. Oh you, you say stuff like it's only gay if you're, if it's only gay if you have your socks on. <laughs> It's only gay if you look at each other's eyes. It's only gay if you deeply look into each other's eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I have a lot of guy friends that did that one. It's like, it's okay if you want to fuck your friend. It's okay. <laughs> you know, just just fuck, you know? It's okay. It's um, okay. That's what, that's what I want. I'm going to go back in time and say, hey, Lovecraft, you clearly like dudes. Why don't you, like, you know? It's okay to like dudes. Yeah. It's also okay to like this, like one woman who like clearly liked you a lot, and then yeah, it's okay to be in love with people. H.P. Lovecraft, you know what? It's not okay to be a fucking racist. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with the queerness of that just no, one paragraph. <laughs> I like this discussion of queer content in the 1920s. It's real good. <clears throat> and that Saint Vincent Millay, that was the person I was trying to think of earlier, openly bisexual woman. Almost got into a fist fight with a psychologist at a party over it. Of our studies, it is impossible to speak, since they held so slight a connection with anything of the world as living men conceived it. They were in the vaster and more appalling universe of dim entity and consciousness, which lies deeper than manner, time, and space, and whose existence we suspect only in certain forms of sleep. Those rare dreams beyond dreams which which come never to common men but once or twice in a lifetime and but once or twice in the lifetime of imaginative men the cosmos of our waking knowledge born from such a universe as a bubble born from the pipe of a jester touches only as such a bubble may touch its sardonic source when sucked back by the jester's whim Men of learning suspect it little and ignore it mostly. 
Wise men have interpreted dreams, and the gods have laughed. One man with oriental eyes had said that all of time and space are relative, and men had laughed. Even that man with oriental eyes was done no more than suspect. I wish and tried to do more than suspect, and my friend had tried and partially succeeded. Then we both tried together, with exotic drugs, courted terrible and forbidden dreams, in a tower studio chamber of the old manor house. Um, among the agonies of these days after that chief of torments, an articulousness, what I learned and saw in those hours of impious exploration can never be told, for what of symbols or suggestions in any language. I say this because from the last of our discoveries partook only of the nature of sensation. This is getting gayer and gayer. This is so gay. Sensations is like, just like, like you might as well just put like sparkles and like tildes next to both side of them. <laughs> it's just like, just like. Oh, I hope he says, oh, I hope undulate comes up at some point. Sensations correlate with no impressions, which the nervous systems of normal humanity is capable of receiving. There are sensations, yet within lie unbelievable elements of time and space. Things which at the bottom possesses no distinct and definite existence. Human utterances can best convey the general character of our experiences by calling them plungings or soarings. For every period of revelation, some part of our mind broke boldly away from all that is real and present, rushing airily along shocking, unlighted, and fear-haunted abysses, and occasionally tearing through certain well-marked and typical obstacles, describable only as viscous, uncouth clouds or vapors. In these black and bodiless flight, we were sometimes alone and sometimes together. And when we were together, my friend was always far ahead. I can comprehend his presence, despite the absence of form, by a species of pictorial memories, whereby his face appeared to me, golden from a strange light, and fearful with its weird beauty, its anatomical, youthful cheeks, its burning eyes, its Olympian brow, and its shattering hair, and, and growth of beard. Okay, I want to- You can just say that you're in love with him, it's okay. It's- he's so in love, like- You can just say he's the most beautiful person you've ever met, and that you're in love with him. Also, Listen, this is just kids. A, it's okay to say those things. <laughs> this is also just a very beautiful paragraph. This is very beautiful. It's a very good paragraph. Yeah. Just like I feel like this is what Beyond the Wall of Sleep should have been. Right? They should have just been in love. Well, God no. Damn I mean, it. I was just saying, like, this is describing going through. <laughs> yeah. Also that. <laughs> like, also I mean, the sure, metaf- add queerness to it. I'm just saying, like, maybe describe. Beyond the Wall of Sleep Oh yeah, more. maybe actually describe the Beyond the Wall of Sleep and not all the fucking classism that took up most of the story. Yeah, like, I feel like this is what it should have been, pretty much. Which, we've already had this in multiple episodes where it's just like, yeah, this is what Beyond the Wall of Sleep should have been. Yeah, like, uh-huh. really, Beyond the Wall of Sleep could have been one of his best works if he didn't spend so much time talking about how what a stupid hick uh, the other character was. And uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but... Um, he actually allows the person who he finds uneducated, um, to, in classless, um, to describe something in Shadow Over Innsmouth, like, what's happening to the town. Yeah! And it's very good! It's so good! So good! 
really beyond the wall of sleep really suffers from that front loading of classism also in uh, in speaking of the first time we saw the n-word in lovecraft story uh the pit the picture in the house yeah like it describes a person who is uneducated and like not like like they allow him to speak yes and it's very good, except oh, he's for when he's terrifying too. <laughs> it's terrifying. Oh like, fuck, he's, he's fucking scary. <laughs> so, man, but yeah, this is this is very good. This is okay. very good. It's amazing how it's amazing how far H.P. Lovecraft has come. It's been like what, like four years since he wrote The Wall of Sleep, Beyond the Wall of Sleep. Yeah, it's this is. Also, I don't think Hypnos is one of the stories people talk about either. No, this and this is really good so far. Of the progress of time, we kept no record. For time had become to us the merest of illusion. I know only that there must have been something very singular involved. Since we came at a link to marvel why we did not grow old, our discourse was unholy and always hideously ambitious. No god or demon could aspire to discoveries and conquests. Like that which we planned in whispers. I shiver as I speak of them, and dare not be explicit. Though that my friend once wrote on paper a wish he dared not utter with his tongue, and which made me burn the paper and look affrightedly out of the window at the spangled night sky, I will hint, only hint, that he had designs which involved the rulership of the visible universe and more. Designs whereby earth and the stars would move at his command, and the destinies of all living things be his. I affirm, I swear, that I had no share in these extreme aspirations. Anything my friend may have said or written to the contrary must be erroneous, for I am no man of strength to risk the unmentionable warfare in the unmentionable spheres, which alone one might achieve success. Um, that's, I mean, I would also say that's also very gay to, yeah. uh, to want to rule the world with your boyfriend. <laughs> Damn those queer coded villains. Yeah, I know. You raised, you raised, you raised a generation of monster fuckers, Disney. God damn it. Look what you did to me. Just kidding. I would have been weird anyways. <laughs> but I love, I love how they could make like, I love how they, like Lovecraft was able to make Hey, let's. I want to take over the world. Also, sound extremely gay as well. <laughs> hey, let's take over the world. Also, I love you, and I want you to be by my side when we do it. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna destroy every world leader, but hold hands while doing it. Maybe Aww. maybe we'll kiss. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll kiss, kiss under the burning uh the, <laughs> the, the the burning ashes of the empires that we've burnt down. What if we kissed in the apocalypse and we were both boys? <laughs> <laughs> well i mean unfortunately one of you will have to go to super hell um, <laughs> you have to go to turbo hell unfortunately god that's gonna be my new if if there's one thing that i love about the whole destiel thing is fucking just the whole like hey as soon as you're gay you go to super hell oh that's really there was a night when winds from unknown spaces whirled around us irresistibly into limitless vacua, beyond all thought and entity, perceptions of the most maddening, untransmissible sort thronged around us, perception of infinity, which at the time convulsed us with joy, yet 
which are now partly lost to my memory and partly incapable of presentation to others. Viscous obstacles were clawed through a rapid succession, and at the length I felt that we've been born to realms of greater remoteness than any that we previously known. My friend was vastly in advance as we plunged towards the awesome ocean of virgin aether, and I could see the sinister exultation on his floating, luminous, too youthful memory face. Suddenly, the face became dim and quickly disappeared, and in a brief space, I found myself projected against the obstacle which I could not penetrate. It was like the others, yet incalculably denser, a sticky, clammy mass. If such terms could be applied to analogous qualities and non-material sphere, I had, I felt, been halted by a barrier which my friend and leader had successfully passed. Struggling anew, I came to the end of the drug dream and opened my physical eyes to the tower studio, in whose opposite corner reclined the pallid and still unconscious form of, of my fellow dreamer, weirdly haggard and wildly beautiful, as the moon shed gold-green light on his marble features. Then, after a short interval, the form in the corner stirred, and the may-pitying heaven kept from my sight and sounds another thing like that which took place before me. I cannot tell you how he shrieked, or what vistas of invisible hells gleamed for a second in black eyes crazed with fright. I can only say that I fainted, and did not stir till he himself recovered, and shook me in his frenzy for someone to keep away the horror and desolation. That was the end of our voluntary searching in the caverns of dreams. Odd, shaken, and portentous, my friend who had been beyond the barrier warned me that we must never venture within those realms again. What he had seen, he dared not tell me, but he said from his wisdom that we must sleep as little as possible, even if drugs were necessary to keep us awake. That he was right. I soon learned from the unutterable fear that engulfed me whenever consciousness slept. After each short and inevitable sleep, I seemed older, whilst my friend aged with a rapidity almost shocking. It is hideous to see the wrinkles form and hair whiten almost before one's eyes. Our mode of life was now totally altered. Heretofore a recluse, so far as I know, his true name and origin never having passed his lips. My friend now became frantic in his fear of solitude. At night he would not be alone, nor would the company of a few persons calm him. His sole relief was obtained in the reverie of the most general and boisterous sort, so that few assemblies of the young and uh, gay were unknown to us. Our parents and age seemed to excite, in most cases, a ridicule which I keenly resented, but my friend considered a lesser evil than solitude, especially was he afraid to be out of doors alone when the stars were shining, and if forced to this condition he would often glance furtively at the sky, as if hunted by some monstrous thing therein. He did not always glance at the same place in the sky. It seemed to be a different place at different times. On spring evenings it would be low in the northeast, in the summer it would be nearly overhead, in the autumn it would be in the northwest, and winter it would be in the east. But if mostly in the small hours of the morning, midwinter evenings seemed least stressful for him. 
Only after two years did I connect this fear with anything in particular. Then I began to see what he must be looking at on the celestial vault, whose positions at different times corresponded to the direction of his glance, a spot roughly marked by the constellation Corona Borealis. We now had a studio in London, never separating, but never discussing the days where we had sought to plumb the mysteries of the unreal world. We were aged and weak from our drug, disimpatient, and nervous overstrain, and the thinning hair and beard of my friend had become snow white. Our freedom from long sleep was surprising, for seldom we did succumb to more than an hour or two of sleep, to the shadow which now grow to a frightful menace. Then, from one January of, of fog and rain, when the money ran low and the drugs were hard to buy, my statues and ivory heads were all sold, and I had no means of purchasing new material or energy to fashion them, even had I possessed them. We suffered terribly, and on, certain, and on a certain night my friend sank into a deep breathing sleep, which I could not awaken him. I could recall the scene now, the desolate, pitch-black garret studio under the caves, with the rain beating down, fancied ticking of our watches as they rested on the dressing table, the creaking of some swaying shutter in a remote part of the house, certain distant city noises muffled by a fog and space, and worst of all, the deep, steady, sinister breathing of my friend on the couch. A rhythmic breathing which seemed to measure moments of subnormal fear and agony for his spirit as it wandered into spheres forbidden and unimagined and hideously remote. The tension on my vigil became oppressive and ran, and a wild train of trivial impressions and associations thronged through my almost unhinged mind. I heard a clock strike somewhere, not ours, for that was not a striking clock, and my morbid fancy found in this new starting point for idle wonderings, clock, time, space, infinity, and my fancy reverted to the local, as I reflected, that even now, beyond the roof and the fog and the rain and the atmosphere, Corona Borealis was rising to the, in the northeast. Corona Borealis, which my friend had appeared to dread, in whose scintillant semicircle of stars must now be glowing unseen through the measureless abyss of aether. All at once, my feverish, sensitive ears seemed to detect a new and wholly distinct component. The soft medley of drug-magnified sounds, a low and dimly insistent whine from very far away, droning, clamoring, mocking, calling from the northeast. But it was not that distant whine which robbed me of my faculties and set upon my soul such a seal of fright as may never in life be removed. Not that which drew the shrieks and excited convulsions which caused lodgers and police to break down the door. It was not what I heard, but what I saw. For in that dark, locked, shuttered, and curtained room, there appeared from the black northeast corner a shaft of horrible red-gold light, a shaft which bore no glow to disperse the darkness, but streamed only upon the recumbent head of the troubled sleeper, bringing out the hideous duplication of the luminous and strangely youthful memory face which I had known in dream of abysmal space and unshackled time when my friend had pushed behind the barrier 
to some secret innermost forbidden cavern of nightmare. And as I looked, I beheld the head rise, the black liquid and deep sunken eyes opened in terror, and the thin shadowed lips part as for a scream to fright to be uttered. There dwelt that ghastly inflexible face, as it shone bodiless, luminous, and rejuvenated in the blackness, more of stark, teeming, brain-shattering fear that all the rest of heaven and earth never revealed to me. No word was spoken amidst this distant sound that grew nearer and nearer, but as I followed the memory's face mad stares along the cursed shaft of light to its source, the source whence the whining came, I too saw for an instant what it saw, and fell with ringing ears, in a fit of shrieking and epilepsy which brought about the lodgers and the police. Never could I tell, try as I might, what it actually was that I actually saw, nor could the steel face tell, for although it must have seen more than I did, and never speak again. But as always, I shall guard against the mocking and satiate hypnos, lord of sleep, against the night sky, and against the mad ambitions of knowledge and philosophy. Just what happened is unknown, for not okay was my own mind unseated by the strange and hideous thing, but the others were tainted. With a forgetfulness which could mean nothing if not madness, they had said I know not for what reason they had said, I know not for what reason that I never had a friend, but that art, philosophy, and insanity had filled my tragic life. The lodgers and police that night soothed me, and the doctor administered something to quiet me, nor did anyone see what a nightmare event had taken place. My stricken friend moved them to no pity, and what they found on the couch in the studio made them give me a praise which sickened me, and now a fame which I spurn into despair as I sat for hours, bald, gray beard, shriveled, palsied, drug-crazed, and broken, adoring and praying to the object they found, for they deny that I sold the last of my statuary, and point with ecstasy to the thing which a shining shaft of light left cold, petrified, and unvocal. It is all that remains of my friend. It is all that remains my friend, the friend who led me to madness and wreckage, a godlike head of such marble as only old Hellas could yield, young with a youth that was outside of time, with such beauteous, bearded face, carved, smiling lips, Olympian brow and dense locks, waving and poppy-crowned. They said that the haunting memory face is modeled from my own, as it was at twenty-five and among the marble base was carven a single name in the letters of Attica. Um, yeah, this one was, this one was a sleeper hit. <laughs> uh, this one was remarkably good. Like, I This just, was. I just, ooh, like. This was like a better, uh, the music of Eric Zahn. Yes. I would also say. I would also say that it was a, it's like a really good version of Beyond the Wall of Sleep. Oh, yeah. As well. Yeah, of course. Um, which. A much superior version of that story. Yeah. Like if, like, you know, what if, what if Beyond the Wall of Sleep was like super gay? 
What if he was gay and less classist? Yeah, so I feel like this is just nothing but like at least homo romantic, I would say. Yes. Um I don't know. Very like, much so. Because like, I'm all about like platonic, like, you know, male intimacy and everything. All oh, about yeah. it. But this one just I don't know. I don't know if I I think I would, you know, I think they would be dating. Like if Yeah. I mean he carved statues of him. Just that requires a lot of time and intimate knowledge of the other person. Also, they they got a, they got a they got a studio apartment together. Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm surprised they get. I'm surprised they didn't get like a dog. Like together, yeah. they didn't have a pet of some kind. <laughs> yeah. they, did, they didn't have a. They didn't have a pet, and they also don't have. A, they probably have a favorite brunch place. Oh, definitely. Um, you know if. If this if it, if Netflix existed, they definitely watch. They definitely never watched anything without each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they were they were like you know OTP. Uh, whoever this uh, whoever this <laughs> man is, it. <laughs> God damn it! So, um, I guess we're gonna do uh, HP Listcraft. Uh, yes. Uh, eh? A listomania. Okay, so we did mention the music of Eric Zahn, and we know it's better yep. than that one. So yes, gotta say, and that one's higher up than um, "Be on the Wall" sleep, right? Yeah, that one's well, decent. That's yeah. what I thought. Um, I'm gonna say this one's like really high up there. There's a lot of there's a lot of queer overtones. It's I'm yeah. about some legitimately good horror. Yeah, like like there was like lo- like I got a little bit dread in my heart close to the end. So yeah. um which I think would put it at least around because like if we're talking about stuff that gives us a little bit of dread, picture in the picture in the house. Yep. Picture in yep. the house, pretty good. Um so that would put it at least in the, you know, so that's a little bit above the music of our uh, of Einrich Son. Yeah. Um so I don't know if I like this more than From Beyond. No, I don't think I do. From Beyond was really good. Yeah, and the above the from one Beyond above from, the one had some very good horror elements to it. Yeah, I think that one's see as much as mm, here's the thing. Okay, uh-huh. as much as uh-huh. I love queer overtone, yeah, it felt like I it felt like it was distracting a little bit from the horror. <laughs> I know. I thought I was about to say the same thing. Like, it was it was less like a horror story with like uh some a little bit of a queer romp. It was more like a queer romp with a little bit of a horror story. Yeah, like I don't think it's as good as Salafaris. No, I think Azathoth is better. Yes, I mean, okay. See, I think I like I think I like Picture of the House more. Yeah. So so we'll go above. And I think City. only because Picture in the House was like such a good dread filling story. Uh, yeah, that would so that would put it I'm gonna put it below Picture in the House and above um, Yeah, like right below is perfect. Yeah. Because of right up it's right above uh the nameless city. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So I feel mm, you know, I feel I'm feeling this. I'm feeling it. It's not in the top fifteen, but like it's, you know, in the gonna be in the top twenty. Which we're about to hit forty, by the way, forty stories. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So, so yeah, I'm all about queer overtones. I mean, we at least have one story with a lot of queer overtones with the statement of Randolph Carter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would say that's more undertones. 
Yeah. Um, it's so short. There wasn't really any time for it. His friend or his friend and or lover was too busy dying. Yeah, but th- <laughs> there was a lot of just like, yeah, he's like real cool, but also kind of scary, but like, you know, kind of fun way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like he likes real spooky stuff, but I think it's cool. Yeah. Also, I think it's going to be really hard to beat like the outsider. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, I love me a little that gobble is a boy. Bo- that is one of our, our most beloved stories. That little gobble boy. Ooh. I love him. I just want him to be free and happy. Uh, so, I think that's it. Like, I mean, I can't really think of anything else. Um, no. Oh, it was a fun romp. Uh, like, okay, so here, here's the thing that we haven't done. Like, would this make a good horror game? Um, sure. Yeah. You know, like, it. In between you doing like a like a social thing, like a social game. I forget what it's called. Social what what term am I thinking? You do it in persona Dating all the time. Game? No, I no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, you're right. It's like a social something. Interaction something game. I don't know. Where you like where relationship you, you, management you get, and stuff. You get like friendship points. Yeah, like it's it's like you getting friendship it's points. It's almost it's almost like a dating game. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like half. It's gonna be a half dating game where like you're. Well, okay. Uh, how, how about this? Okay, it can be a dating game or it can be a friendship game. But either way, you're super like into this dude. Yeah, you you're really into him. You think he's really cool, and you want to spend a lot of time with him. Yeah, and then at night, this is this is Persona. Now that I'm thinking about it, except. <laughs> This is Persona 4. It really is if it's just Persona. <laughs> Dur- during the day, during the day, or, you know, you're doing like your, you know, you know, you're getting friendship points or trying to date someone. And at night, you're you're fighting like, you know, going demon. You, you you're going get- on your dream adventures and you're fighting uh, it's, uh, indescribable dream universes. I don't know. So during the day, you, you earn friendship or love points with somebody. At night, you're basically playing Yume Nikki. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's how it works. It's a combination, it's combination of gone. It's, it's gone home, it's like, but with a, with a visual like novel per- aspect. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like a persona. If at night, instead of fighting demons, you went on a dream adventure. Yeah, this would be a good, this would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Which reminds me, I need to play Yume Nikki again. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this, this, this story just cements it for me. I think, I think HP was at least like a little bi. A little bit. He talks about such close male relationships so often. And not like, not like a, like, like, it's sentiment in a way that you think like, you know, if they were, if like, they, he wants to kiss them. Yeah. Like the way he describes the other dude in the story is in such like a, uh, like an intimate and like, amorous way like he describes him as like so beautiful but not in like a way where you're like oh yes objectively they're very beautiful he's he's like no like he's very beautiful to me like specifically like he talks about like as i mentioned a little bit before he talks about this other dude as if a person as if he's as if like people are deeply in love with each other yeah talk about each other like yeah like Half of that story was just him talking about how beautiful this man was. Yeah. So, like, I feel like he was at least a little gay for this one, dude. Oh, yeah. That he spent his very small amount of money to go to New York just to see. 
Um, like initially I was like, maybe it's just talking about, cause I know HP Lovecraft was a very lonely man. Just yearning to like be friends with somebody, be around them. No, this dude was like really in love with him. Yeah. Like you could probably, you could probably say, Hey, you know, the, his self-insured character for, and this is also a self-insured character. Like definitely. Oh, definitely. He, he changed it from writer to sculptor, but that's, you know, that's only different. Um, Listen, if Dante's Inferno can do a self-insert, so can H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> but also, but, oh, I did a tangent. Um, but no, this is, uh, this feels a lot like, because this feels a lot like uh, just the normal writing, like, and this is Nerolothotep. Um, the yes. normal writing in it feels a lot like the later stuff. Like we get, well, like we would get yeah. a lot in the color out of space, where it's like these, like, just, just sentence after sentence after like just these gorgeous descriptions that just like by themselves would be like inspiring. I also like that he kept things very vague despite giving a lot of description. Yeah, he like yeah he described like oh yeah we tore through a viscous uh uh barrier, but there's no description of what anything really looked like. And the and the the like if if it wasn't just half. Uh, half like hey here's my really cool boyfriend um like yeah <laughs> you know like it would be like kind of scary like it'd be more scary i think like the parts that were scary were scary yes um it and, was like a fun queer romp with a little bit of horror story in there yeah i wish it just i wish it melded a little bit better you know and i mean admittedly when the horror story started i was like oh no this isn't the fun queer romp i signed up for i wanted the i wanted the outsider this but is with, bad i wanted the outsider <laughs> but with with more queerness yeah but like he has like a boyfriend yeah that he holds hands with his little gobble hand goes in the other person's hand. yeah they they they, the- they perfectly match they go they belong they together re- they run around under the moon together and swim in the river. I really hope that he's happy. I really hope <laughs> the outsider is happy. <laughs> we really do love this gobble boy. Way so too- <laughs> He's in one story. <laughs> um, he's just so happy when he leaves. That's it. No, but I'm really looking forward to seeing more uh, writing, like the, like the Lovecraft star writing that everyone like yes. plums onto. Um, like, and I'm wondering if we're going to get more tender stories too, because we're going to hit like the yeah. like nonstop horror block soon. Oh yeah. Well, Oof. I mean, okay, we're going to get a, partly a tender story in Rats in the Walls, where he's just like, "Yeah, who, look at this <laughs> real cool cat. I love. <laughs> I love my cat. Just look at it. Look at him. Isn't he cool? Hey, it's just me and my cat <laughs> doing detective things. It's just me and this little furry baby. Yep. <laughs> we're going to solve a crime. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we're gonna get more tender stories because this one is, again, like just came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere, yeah. just like the tree, yeah, came out of nowhere. Okay, well, um, what do you have to plug? Um, you should go check out my YouTube channel called Mixed Spooky Sweaters, where I read spooky stories, uh, creepy pastas, poems. Uh, I'll also be reading some horror novellas. Uh, not, of course, not any H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Um, and oh, yeah, I decided not to read The King in Yellow in case we decide to read that since it is H.P. Lovecraft adjacent. It would be one of the first H.P. Lovecraft adjacent things that were out, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. It was directly it was directly um, influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. Robert W. Chambers wrote it because of H.P. Lovecraft. Um, but yeah, I'll be reading The Great God Pan soon. 
which is described as Lovecraft-esque, but it is not part of the universe. It was actually written, I think it was like 40 years before Lovecraft ever started writing and publishing. Yeah, it was late um, 1800s, yeah, right? It. Yeah, it was late 1800s. I think it was 1880, 1870, 1880. Yeah, love, um, yeah that would have been about 20 years before Lovecraft was writing. Writing anything. Yeah. yeah. So he, he wouldn't be born yeah. until late 1800s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go check out Make Spooky Sweaters if you want some more spooky stories. So this one is running a little long, mostly because me and uh, Faith were gushing about... We had to talk about uh, queerness in the nineteen early 19th century. Yeah. Um, it's so very important. I'm going to withhold my uh, my plugs for this, with this one. So you can listen to another episode if you want to hear a little bit more. Uh, about my oh, yes, go check out the tree. <laughs> yeah, check out the tree whenever we record it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, go check out the tree. If you already listened to it, go listen to it again. Yeah. It, um, it's a short, nice story. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, this has uh, been over in Smith. And this, uh, by the way, this is directed directly at his friend. Because this actually fits perfectly. Oh my god, it does. <laughs> and remember... You are the irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable. And the mansions of silence would forever be filled with our lament. Goodbye. Bye. I'm so sorry that you have to have a body. I'm so sorry that you have to have a body. Oh yeah, I'm very sorry that you have to have a body. One that will hurt you And be the subject of so much of your fear It will betray you Be used against you Then it'll fail on you, my dear But before that You'll be a doormat For every vicious narcissist in the world Oh how they'll screw you All up and over Then feed you silence for I'm so sorry that